This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. It's October 14th, episode 1019. Good morning, horse world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here at Horses in the Morning. Good morning. We hope that you've had your cup of coffee. Karen, have you had yours? That's the important question. I did, and the the really sad thing is I'm out of creamer and milk. So do you know what I have to use? Oh, no. A vanilla-flavored instant breakfast shake. (laughs) (laughs) How's that taste? (laughs) I know. I'm going to the store right after the show's over. <laughs> you probably had to do that on rides a few times too, when you didn't have any milk. Hey, we you just take whatever you can get. You know, every everybody has that single item in their pantry that you avoid going to the grocery store, and you avoid going to the grocery store until that one item you cannot survive without, and that's what it's. Exactly. That's when you're over the edge. Yeah, For and it usually has to do with coffee. It usually has to yeah. do with coffee. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Well, good morning, Karen. Uh, Karen, as you know, is here the second Tuesday of every month with the Endurance Edition of Horses in the Morning. And Jennifer is going to tell us what is coming up on today's Endurance Edition. On today's Endurance Adventure, Karen goes all geeky with Higgs boson cruising around her house and a new definition for ICE, I-C-E. And then mid-show, Jessica Bishop tells the tale of her long-eared, long-endurance equid speed racer. And coming in across the finish line, Janet Tipton is here, and she is up to the task with her Mustang endurance horse, Lady Jasmine. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. It's all about alternate uh, modes of transportation for endurance rides (laughs) today, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. We're not looking at traditional Arabs here today. We're going to go something a little bit different. We got yes, mules, mules, we got mustangs. mustangs. And, you know, so if we go through the different things that you have seen, uh, the different things, the different kinds of animals <laughs> you have seen on uh, on endurance rides. So we got uh, mules, obviously you've seen, uh, mustangs. We got Arabs. We know about Arabs. Quarter horses, I assume. You've seen some quarter horses. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Yes, and uh, uh, plenty of gated breeds also. Plenty of gated breeds, yep, all, of all different kinds, I'm sure. What else have you seen that's unusual or different? Uh, well, one rider I know had a Zorse, which is a zebra horse oh, really? cross. 
And I don't know how well that worked out. (laughs) (laughs) Saw them once. (laughs) How about uh, thoroughbreds? Any thoroughbreds? Yes, some and also some Anglos. Mm -hmm. Half thoroughbred, half Arab, and, and some of them have done really well. Well, you know, last weekend I just got back from the uh, World Percheron Congress, so I'm wondering, have you ever seen a draft horse on an endurance horse? Yes, yes. Really? Really? We have, uh, usually doing the LD rides. There's a yeah. couple around. <laughs> there's a there's a Frisian, there's Frisian crosses, and I know of one Percheron that I remember that did an LD ride. I don't remember what ride it was, but yes. That reminds everybody there, what an LD ride is. There are. An LD is our abbreviation for limited distance, and they range from 25 to 35 miles in right. length. Yeah, anything longer than that in the Percheron is just going to keel over. It's <laughs> 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 not going to make it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's interesting. That's interesting. Have you ever ridden anything but an Arab? Um, one time on a ride, I rode Tulip, who who was a Morab, who's Morgan in Arab, and he's well, the highest oh, oh. highest mileage huh. horse. I was going to ask you about Morgans because you know they're great for driving long distances. So I'd assume that riding long distances would be the same. Yes, they do very well in the sport. There's a Have few. you heard? Have you heard a lot more about uh, the distance drivers? I know that that was something that uh, there was some communities around the country really pushing to get uh, distance driving more prevalent. Have you heard anything more about um, that? Yes, there's the NIDA group, um, and I think they're calling themselves National Endurance Driving Association. And they have events all summer, almost every other weekend, where they combine the horses that are driving along with riding horses. And they usually go, you know, they have different distances, but I I think it's anywhere between 10 and 20 or 30 miles a day, sometimes for two days in a row. And they have their own award system and, and that sort of thing. And those rides and drives are really popular in the area. We'll have to get somebody from from there on one of the episodes uh, uh, here. Sure. Or things slow yeah. down a little bit. We'll have to get somebody on and, and chat about that a little. That's something I think would be fun. I think that would be it fun would. to do. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a bit of a nightmare for the organizers, though, because your tracks have to be wider. I mean, you have to have terrain that's conducive to uh, carriages. Uh-huh. You know, they can't do certain things that the horses can do, so that uh, all has to be taken into consideration. And I'm sure right. that there's not as much land that fits that need as does endurance. Yeah, it just depends on the area, and you're right. Maybe they are a little bit limited in some areas. Although, you know, there's plenty of Jeep roads in Nevada <laughs> that they can use. <laughs> sure. sure, we have some of those here in Florida, too. <laughs> and I know that uh, we have a listener, Tony Troyer, that did uh, some of those drives out in Indiana. So uh, oh. I know they have a group out there that he's going on some 25-mile drives. And he has an Arab, I think, that he drives. So, uh so I'll have to talk about that. That'd be fun. I'd love to hear more about that okay. as, as we go along. Put that on your list, Karen. Okay, it's on my list. <laughs> well, now, you've had some adventures since we've spoken last. I have. I went riding this weekend with a friend, and on, and I took Bo out. And apparently he's getting a little bit rambunctious from, 
not competing as often as he was before he had his colic. I mean, he's done a couple rides, and, you know, I get him out. But we were out on our ride, and as soon as we turned towards home, he started getting really full of himself. So we stopped at the fairgrounds on the way back, and I put him in this big arena and let him run around and get the craziness out. And they were doing a Gymkhana event, and there were other people there. Well, my friend was there with, and her mother, and a bee flew up in my shirt. So <gasps> on my no. arm, I, I, I know I swatted it, and it came out, but then it flew back up in my shirt. And I'm like, uh-huh. you know, a bee go in my shirt, and they're like, take your shirt off, take your shirt off. <laughs> and I'm in the middle of the fairgrounds, and there's, you know, there's, there wasn't a lot of people, but there were some people there, some guy riding his horse around, and they're yelling at me to take my shirt off. So, of course, I'm still wearing my helmet with the dipper and visor, and there's no way my shirt's going to come off. So, you know, I'm pulling off my helmet and then stripping my shirt off over my head, and sure enough, there was a bee in there. And uh, so, yeah, it was kind of a funny thing that I'm in the middle of this public place having people yelling at me to take my shirt off, and I did. (laughs) Now, where can we find a YouTube video so we can post that, Karen? (laughs) I know. And I didn't get stung. I don't believe I didn't get stung. (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody that rides has bee stories, right? I mean, either the horses get into a nest of bees or, you know, bolting, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I'm sure there's a thousand bee stories out there. Uh, Jennifer, that's the question of the day. Do you have a bee story from when you were riding? There's your question of the day. We'll see. We'll post that on Facebook and see what kind of answers we get. But, yeah, you must have run into some bee nests, all the riding you've done. Oh, my gosh, yes, some really good ones. I, uh, yeah, one time I, uh, my horse got stung really bad, and he took off running, and we ran. Of course, it was the rockiest part of the ride that we had to run through to get away from him. And then he started limping, and I got off. Well, it turned out where he had been stung on his side, it hurt, and I walked on foot. And by the time I got back to camp, because it was like another four or five miles, he was perfectly fine. The bee stings had stopped hurting. (laughs) So um, it was one of those things, but I didn't know what what had happened, if he was sore from the bee stings or from the rocks, going through the rocks as quick as we had to to get away from him. But it turned out he was okay. So that was one of those stories that ended well and... Um, yeah, I've been in a couple of tight spots on some narrow trails with, with bees, and all you can do is just people yell bees, and that means get moving, you know, keep going, I'm like don't crazy. stop. Somebody's going to run yeah, your get, ass over if you don't get out of the way. Exactly. <laughs> get out of the way. I know. So another thing I, I've done recently is a couple of weeks ago, I took my horse in to get, both horses, to get scoped for ulcers. Um, the Mariel company, the drug company that makes Omeprazole, was offering to do it for free. So I was kind of excited that they accepted those on my horses to go in and get scoped because I'm just curious, you know, with my horses as many miles as they've done and as many years as they've been competing to see what's going on inside. And that um, was kind of fun to get to go do. Turned out Chief didn't have any ulcers. Bo had a couple of small grade ones which are easily treatable, so I'm treating them right now, and as soon as the treatment's done, then I'll be able to take them to a ride again and see how that goes. Hmm. You know, I think everybody's curious about that because you hear so much about ulcers being, you know, the number one this and the number one that. 
Uh, and you hear so much about it that I think that people are curious about whether their horses are having it or not. I've never seen the Muriel thing where they get to do it for free. Were there a lot of people there? Um, they only took at that clinic, I think, 10 to 12 horses. And then the next okay. day they were at another local clinic and did another, you know, 10 or 12 horses. So they travel around the country doing that. And I'm sure, you know, their goal is to <clears throat> try to show how many no horses more, do have. No more gastro guard is their goal. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. There you go. And But they're not getting any money out of Chief because Chief's tough. He don't need those, he don't need those stinking ulcer medicine. Oh my gosh! Well, you know it's it's a real hot topic, especially within the AARC, because the board just voted to allow a quarter dose or a preventive dose, which is I guess a quarter dose during competition starting next stride season. Which it's a little controversial a dose because of, of what, Karen? Uh, like gastroguard. Okay. Or a It was not allowed before it would test. Is that? It wasn't, you know, the history of AARC has always been that they've been a drug-free um, organization. The horses have to compete on their natural ability and not under the influence of any kind of drug. And that's why this is such a controversial thing because, you know, how can you argue that you can, that it's okay to prevent ulcers, but it's not okay to prevent, you know, inflammation or some other kind of problem that would open the way to use even more kinds of drugs on our horses because, you know, if you're using a meprazole during a competition, you know, that is going to allow a little bit of performance enhancing because now, you know, you're, you're possibly not going to be slowing down as often or letting your horse eat, taking more time to manage him so we can get through the ride drug-free. And my fear is that people are going to use it not just so much as a preventative, but as a way to allow them, you know, to ride faster or to push a horse farther that maybe shouldn't be competing in the sport. Now, this is not the FEI. This is just the AERC. Has the, F- well, the FEI allow it? FEI does allow it, you know, and that's a little bit different. You know, those people are um, a lot more serious about competing. You know, they're in it to race and they're asking a lot more out of their horses than an average AERC rider. So, I mean, I understand the premise for it because they are showing, you know, a large percentage of all kinds of horses have ulcers at some point. They come and go. And one of the research studies I read, of course, Mariel, they're happy to give you all that stuff to read. Um, I'm sure. That horses <laughs> that just simply were trailered and didn't do any work at all developed ulcers. So, you know, they're very prevalent, and and so, yes, it's good that we can prevent them and use this medication as a preventative. I just hope people don't, you know, abuse it and use it so that they can compete on a horse that really isn't suitable. You know, some horses are more suitable for this sport than others. Right, right. And I just read a report the other day on people and ulcers. It's the same way with people. A lot of people have ulcers that don't realize it or don't know it and never know it. Um, right. And it, it, you know. Yeah, once you start using drugs, you know, there's side effects that we might not know about yet for a while. So I think we have to yep. be really careful. That's the little guy that talks fast mm-hmm. at the end of the commercials. Um, <laughs> yes, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 
all of those side effects. You will die. If you don't die, you're going to be sick as all get out. But boy, oh, you oh might, boy, your stomach won't hurt anymore. If I cause <laughs> blindness, you know. Yeah, exactly. You won't be able to see, but your stomach's going to be fine. You'll be good. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Hey, and you got a best, new puppy? The best thing, yes. We. Um, that's what I get. I, I shared a post from a rescue place about this little healer dog um on my wall and then of course my husband was like you know he looks like a really cute happy dog so of course we ended up going and adopting him and um we named him his boson after the elementary particle in the standard model of particle physics which cannot be turned off so (laughs) it fits him perfectly because (laughs) he's an energizer bunny huh He's a little, yes, little active little guy, and um, it, and it's kind of a fun name for him because, you know, we call him Higgins, Higgins, you know, all the time. Just, do you guys remember Magnum? I do. Wasn't yes. he the butler dude? Uh-huh. He was uh, the guy uh, that uh, Tom Selleck um, always was calling like Higgins. The, the and then, caretaker there at the mansion. Yeah, the yes, caretaker, like the butler the caretaker guy. for yeah. Robin, the guy that supposedly owned the... Uh, that biggest state in, in Hawaii. Anybody then, under 35 now has no idea what we're talking about. What we're talking about. And then TC always called him Higgy Baby. So, yeah, we've we've got all these nicknames for this little dog already. And, uh, well, now, yeah. and I, we have to do the same test. I have to do the same test with you that I do with Jamie, and that is uh, uh-huh. the hoarder test. So how many dogs yeah. do you have? Four. <laughs> Four. Okay, that's the line right away. That is the line. You go from four <laughs> to five dogs and you become a hoarder. How many cats do you have? No cats. Ah, oh, well, see, you're good there. We're so, good. yeah, so you could probably have an extra dog if you don't have any cats. You're, oh, okay. You're, oh, okay. You're so good for okay. Yes, I'm kind of a healer hoarder. I, uh, you know, they've got so much personality. They're, they're great dogs. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and you're cute, and especially if you have a place like you do where they can get out and run around. If you live in the city in an apartment, probably not so good. But where you live, yeah, they, you know, they're not apartment dogs. Uh-uh. No, it's uh, yeah. And we started him in obedience school. He gets to go to class once a week, and with another twenty-five dogs, and learn how to um, be obedient, which is a really good thing for a That's dog. That's Which is me. <laughs> Now are they are they um are they affectionate dogs the healers or are they more b- down to business and They're just like any other breed. I think you'll get some that are more affectionate than others. This puppy, he's really affectionate. I mean, he'll climb up in your lap, turn upside down, scrunch himself up into a pretzel and just fall sound asleep. And then he'll groan if you try to get him up. <laughs> and so he's very yeah, very cuddly kind of dog and then you've got others that that just they're happy if you just pat them on the head and that's good enough or rub their stomach once in a while don't you have but one that very... has an eye patch too uh has the black around one eye yeah I remember that's that? the new guy that's his oh that's yeah. the new guy okay he's the new guy yes and that they're like dogs. you should have yeah. named him you know after a pirate because he does kind well, of look wanted... like a pirate with that patch I know. I kind of wanted to name him a Klingon name because he's such a Klingon, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do this. Let's have, 
<laughs> well, congratulations, by the way, new mommy, on on uh, on your new Thanks. puppy. He is very cute. I'm looking at Facebook and seeing his picture right here, and he is very cute. But you are at the <laughs> limit, so keep that in mind when the next one comes up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Endurance tip of the month. And this one, you know, we talked about this one a long time ago here on the show, but we haven't brought it up lately, and I have not done it in my phone, so I probably should while you're talking about it. Right. And this is kind of important for anybody that, you know, rides horses or, or goes on trips with their horses. You know, first thing is we should always let somebody know when we're going, where we're going, when we're expected back. You know, that's the the first rule. Then um, what I'm going to talk about today is ICE, which is an abbreviation for in case of emergency. Because a lot of us, I think, don't really prepare or think about what's going to happen if I do go out riding on my horse and I don't come back. Or if something happens and I get hurt while I'm out there. So the best way to do that so that if, if you're carrying your phone with you, which most of us do, is um, add ICE contacts into our phone directory. So the, what you do is, and there, there are also many apps you can get for iPhone or Androids that make it a little bit easier and so that these contacts can be accessed even if you have a pass, password on your phone. But you add a dash and then, it, and then the letters I-C-E because that's kind of standard for emergency personnel to know that um, that stands for in case of emergency. And... Uh, so you add the dash, put in ICE in all caps, and then the name is of the, the person. Is the dash so it shows up at the top of the list? It, is that so it shows a? up at the yeah, so it appears at okay. the top of the list, and you can do that and add a name, or I put like my dad and then his name, or husband and his name, so that um, anybody looking at it on my phone list would see right away those are the first couple of people to contact in the case of an emergency. And that can be really important because, you know, if you're not able to answer, emergency personnel can, you know, look at your phone, look at the contacts, and they might be able to call and get permission to treat you, find out if you have um, allergies or any other health issues going on. So, you know, that's kind of an important thing. I'm doing it right now on my phone because I had not done that. Um, ah. I'm doing it right now. I'm adding it. Good, good. And Je- Jennifer, do you want to be my emergency contact, or should I put somebody <laughs> Another thing she you can didn't also answer. Do you notice, it... Karen, she did not answer that? Did you notice? She did I, I didn't get an oh, answer. no. <laughs> She'll be like, well, call 911. Call me. What do you call me for? What am I going to do about it? I know. <laughs> I know. This is good for anybody, whether you're right or not. And, it is. You know, we've talked about before, you know how pilots file a flight plan. We talked about filing a ride plan. In other words, you actually write down, especially if you, you're doing the kind of riding that you guys do, you kind of just give a little, you know, you put down on a note where you're going to be riding that day so that uh, if they have to, and you have so many options. A lot of people don't have a lot of options. So although uh-huh. Jennifer here in our neighborhood, we have 17 miles of trails, I I wouldn't know where she was, and some of them are back in there where nobody goes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, right. so that, you know, yeah. And I I have metal engraved ID tags on my horse's bridles and saddle that have names and phone numbers and all that, 
But it's also a good idea to take like an index card or a Rolodex kind of card and write down your, your information and your emergency contacts and carry that with you either in your wallet or on your, in your saddle pack so that you've also got that in addition to your phone just in case, you know, maybe you lose your phone too. Who knows what could happen? Um, they have ice stickers that you can order if you go to icesticker.com or make one yourself using any kind of just a peel-off sticker and a marker and put that on the back of your phone and write I-C-E on it. Huh. I didn't know that. That's cool. And and you said there's a lot yeah. of apps, and I was just looking. You're right. There is a lot of apps. I have an Android, and I just put uh-huh. in ice, and it brought up a bunch of different stuff. Right, they, and the apps are kind of cool. They have them where um, they have one-touch text messaging that you can immediately send a text message out to however many people that you want in your emergency contacts to let them know you know you're in distress and you need help. Very good. Well, and Jennifer, you need to add me into yours too, because you're the one that goes out riding in strange places uh, in <laughs> rural Florida where there's alligators and bears. So. Um, Bears? There's bears? <laughs> oh, yeah, we have bears in here. We actually live oh, okay. on the other side of uh, Ocala is the Ocala National Forest, and there's a ton of bears and wild pigs. Wow. There's a lot of wild pigs over there. Oh, um, okay. Which apparently are pretty nasty. When we first moved to Ocala, we looked at a place in the middle of the forest. It was a purple house in the middle of the forest. And after they started, well, there was a little, there was a pond, like a 10 feet behind the house. And, you know, first thing I asked the realtor was, is there alligators in there? She said, well, you're in Florida. And I figured that meant yes. <laughs> so, you know, I figured, you know, we have, a, we have our dog and we have cat and all that stuff and, and a pony that's about uh, large alligator size. So I figured, Ooh. nah, let's not get one that's real close to the pond right there. And then she <laughs> said, oh, to- you're going to have problems with totally the wild. I totally see P.T. Scooter egging on the alligators. Yes. <laughs> Don't have a like yeah. Tony beating him oh on the head. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I could see that happening right too. So we decided not to buy the place with all the critters. That was too too much wildlife for me. Too close to nature. Yeah. I don't need to be that close to nature. Yeah, I don't look at you. it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I get it every month when I talk to you. The nature part. So that's that's good enough. <laughs> Well, we had a chance, as we do every month, to talk to Kristen Lacey of Distance Depot. And uh, we talk about different products, endurance products every month. And this month, we talked a little bit about legs. And we caught up with her a little later, and it's, of course, or a little earlier in the week. And it's distancedepot.com. And let's take a listen to that. We'll be right back with our first guest who rides a mule named Speed Racer. What a great name. Well, good morning, Kristen. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Karen and Glenn. Great to be here. And today we're going to talk about uh, leg protective gear for horses. So uh, give us a little overview of some of the products you carry for leg protection while you're riding. Okay. Well, um, we actually carry uh, quite a few brands of Fetlock interference boots and splint boots. Most of these boots are made of neoprene. Some have the Professional Choice brand, for instance, has a Velcro-compatible material, um, meaning when you size them to your horse, they fit most horses because uh, the Velcro will attach anywhere on the the, um, leg protection themselves. So I like that brand just, you know, if you're using a a wide variety of horse sizes, um, they happen to fit most horses. 
Um, it's a good protective gear for the ankles. You know, when horses get um, start to get weary, um, they can interfere, and you know, once you have an interference, it can cause lameness and so on. So you sure don't want that happening. I use them on my horses um, just for pr- protection, for sure. Also, it's great in trappy going. Um, if your horse is, uh, you know, in, in, you're in rocky area, it protects his legs from mm-hmm. that as well. So, um, like I say, most of these um, ankle boots and splint boots um, have uh, neoprene as their um, main material and the Velcro closure. How many colors are available? Well, the professional choice come in colors. The the other brands um, typically come in black, but the professional choice offers a variety of colors. Hunter green, royal blue, red, black. Um, we even have purple and white. <laughs> so it pretty much suits everyone's okay. color choice. I know sometimes what I do with my horses, if one of them just happens to interfere on the front, on the inside of the fetlock, I just use an ankle boot on the front rather than a full-size splint boot. And that seems to work really well too because you know less is better especially if they're going to be on your horse for a really long time in the heat and stuff that's right keeps his legs a little cooler a nifty trick too which i'm sure you know about um is we often during a ride or competition in fact before i put my boots on i use just a a little bit of um, baby powder helps Mm -hmm. keeps everything you know i wash them off if i'm at a ride wash them off and and put a little baby powder on and reapply the boot um, helps prevent rubs. So that's a nice trick. I'm looking at uh, your selection on your website, and there is quite a selection. Uh, tell us about your website. Okay, well, um, uh, on here we, we offer um, several different brands. I think I touched on the professional mm-hmm. uh, professional choice. We have Toclat. Um, they offer uh, several different sort of um, ankle boots and splint boots. And... Um, uh, our website is thedistancedepot.com, of course. Um, so you can visit our leg protection page and see the variety. And if you have any questions about it, of course, you can phone us, too. Okay. And which ones do you think are the most popular? Um, I would say um, it's a toss-up, but the professional choice are very popular because, as I say, being Velcro compatible, they do fit a wide variety. That Toclat Deluxe Interference boot that we have, it's a nice um, ankle boot and um, has double Velcro closure, so they stay put and don't slide around, which is also mm-hmm. very important during riding. Mm-hmm. Right. And are those? what are those lined with? Are they neoprene inside? They are neoprene, okay. yes. And then the outside um, of most of these boots have a suede material, heavy-duty. They're padded and have heavy-duty so, um, suede on the outside so that if your horse hits it with his shoe, of course, it's going to offer good protection. Some of these mm-hmm. brands actually have a plastic um, shell on them on the outside of the neoprene. So where the hoof would interfere with the ankle, um, the plastic shell offers great protection um, if your horse is, a, a, you know, is known to interfere. And do you have any recommendations for cleaning and, and after-ride care for these? Um, yeah, I just typically hose mine off when I'm done so they're ready for next time. They're pretty easy to take care of, I think. And, and as I say, apply a little baby powder before you go, and, and you should be all set. They're pretty easy to deal with. Okay, well, that sounds great. Next month, we'll have you back, and we'll talk about products to use on our horse's legs after we finish riding. How does that sound? Terrific. 
And I want to remind everybody, when you're looking for the website, go, definitely type in T-H-E, thedistancedepot.com. You right. put in Distance Depot, you get something else. So put in right. thedistancedepot.com, and you'll be sure to be at the right place. Thank you, Karen and Glenn. And I also want to mention that many of the products that Kristen has at the Distance Depot are made in the United States. And so our it's next, important. our first, yes, it is. I know. Our first guest is Jessica Bishop, and she rides a mule named Speed Racer. She's been riding endurance for four years and already has 1,850 miles, including 300. She also finished uh, this year's Tevis and Virginia City Rides on Speed Racer, who is doing really well in this sport. Well, good morning and welcome to the show, Jessica. Good morning. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us. We are um, looking forward to hearing you tell us about your mule named Speed Racer. I love that name. Okay. That's the best name. (laughs) It's a great name. He, he got that name at two days old, so oh, did he? stuck so, with him forever. He oh, did. Wow. He did. What, is yeah. that because he came out fast? <laughs> he came out, and at two days, he was running laps around his mom. He he was destined to be a race meal. That's what he was bred for. Um, oh. So he always had the potential to be a, a runner, um, and he did successfully race. Um, and so I took him off to make him my endurance. Meal. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's stop right there. I didn't know that <laughs> mules raced. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, they do uh, flat track racing. They do short distances, kind of like the quarter horses, the 300 and 350 yards. Um, and uh, Speed Racer actually won his, his maturity as a three-year-old in Fresno by, by a nose, but, but he won he won pretty nice race. So he, he had his fair share of races and, you know, pulled him off to make him a better – Better endurance animal than a race mule. Ah, uh, now I see another show. We have to, we have to, we have to do an episode on on mule racing because I didn't even know that <laughs> was a go. thing. That's uh, cool. Yeah, it's, it's it's big out here on the west coast. So man, they'd be going down the track at ninety miles an hour with their ears flapping. <laughs> no, usually they're flat back on their heads because they're they are flying. That's funny. Well, what breed it was the, is the horse part in him? His mom is actually a running quarter horse, so she was a half quarter thoroughbred bred mare uh, with race record of her own. Um, and his dad is a actually a small smallish standard jack out of a BLM Jenny and a really nice bred uh, mammoth jack. Um, and his dad actually did some limited distance endurance, um, probably the only donkey with AERC <laughs> limited distance mileage. Um, but so I knew he had the potential to be an endurance animal oh. when, when his dad was doing that kind of stuff. So nice Jack here in California. He still makes lots of nice, beautiful babies that do all kinds of things. Um, so, Well, how old is Speed Racer? Speedy turned eight in May. Um, got to be there for his birth and pretty much his entire, his entire growing up time, except for the short amount of time he did spend at the racetrack. So. Wow. And how did you get started in endurance riding? Um, Speedy actually belongs to a gentleman out of New Mexico, and uh, my my I got asked to help condition some animals for him, and just kind of started riding a mule, you know, every now and then for him just to tag along, and kind of liked it a little bit. So I kept going and just kept riding mules for him, and 
and I just kind of took Speedy on as my own, and um, just he's been absolutely amazing. I couldn't have ever imagined a, a, a horse, let alone a mule, doing the things that he's proven to me he can do. So it's, it's a whole new world for me, So, but I like it. Now, how how are they to ride as far as comfort is concerned uh, as compared to a horse? You know, I, I get that a lot, and, and to be perfectly honest, it's just like a horse. You know, every horse rides a little different. They have a different way of going. You know, for me, he is a big, smooth trotter. I mean, he has got – he can out-trot some horses like you wouldn't believe. Because he's three-gated. He's three-gated. He's, not, he's uh, not four, right? Walk, trot, right. canter. Yep, okay. Yes, yep. And, how tall? How and, tall is he? He is just under fifteen three, so he's a big guy for, mm-hmm. you know, for this sport. I would think. I I sure don't like getting on him on day two of a fifty mile ride. That, that ain't fun. So, um, <laughs> I wish he was a couple inches shorter. But, um, but yeah, he's a, he's a big guy. He's really smooth to ride. Um, but I've also ridden mules that are pogo sticks. But same thing with the horses. You, you know, sure. Varies. And what about his recoveries? What are they like? You know, this meal from day one has been amazing. Um, I call him my little monster because I, I swear this meal is just unbelievable. If he comes into a PNR and he's right at, you know, right at qualification, I take him over to the vet. He's coming down, and as soon as that meal starts coming down, oh good lord, we better step back because he's he was at 48 at um, Red Star on Tevis this year. And wow. the vet said, "You're the only other, you're the only animal I've seen at a 48 on Red Star, coming in." So, and we were in the top 60 or so coming into Red Star this year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, 48 I think is pretty low, but he usually is right there, right on par. And if he's not, then I know we got a problem because he's so good to either be at at criteria and if not coming down already. So. Well, tell us a little about your conditioning for him. Obviously, obviously you've done a very good job at that. He he has, you know, we he started as a as a young mule and just did a couple limited distance rides um, as a four year old, um, and then the next year I, I really didn't get on a huge schedule with him and, and my fault. We didn't do a whole lot, but the last two years we've really put a bunch of miles in. Um, the goal has always been, you know, to finish Tevis. Um, that's what the owner's goal for all of his endurance meals are. So we train with Tevis as our end game. Um, so usually start pretty early and just hit as many rides a week as we can do as many, uh, 50 milers in a month, you know, do at least one 50 miler in a month if possible. Um, last year we racked up almost 600 miles without completing Tevis, um, rode all the way till the Thanksgiving weekend, uh, did a, our first three day ride on Thanksgiving. He got most of, well, all of December and most of January off. And then we started hitting the trail first middle of January this past year, and we're still riding. So a um, couple, two, three times a week we go out. Um, we had every ride we could that was not, you know, immediately back-to-back, but with at least two or three weeks of a rest time between and just as many rides as we could get in. And I see that you did. You completed the NASTAR Triple Crown. Congratulations. I um, did. Thank t- you very much. Us- Tell us a little bit about each of those rides. For those that are listening, the first ride is a 50, the second is a 75, and the third is the Virginia City 100. So give us just a little description of how each of those rides went for you. Sure, sure. You know, I really, you know, I live in California, and I really love going over and doing the Nevada rides. Um, I went into Derby with, um, you know, the first ride, the 50, with the intentions of, of top 10 just just because I knew he had that capability 
Um, and we did great. Um, I love the NASTAR 75, which is in May over the Labor Day or the Memorial Day weekend. Um, I, I think all those rides are fantastic, but, but NASTAR, we did really good last year. And I thought, you know what, I want to, I want to bump it up and see what we can get done this year. And I, they're so beautiful and you have so much fun and the ride <laughs> managers are awesome. I mean, I, I couldn't ask for a better region to ride in. I mean, I definitely want to adventure out and see some more, but the Nevada rides are unbelievable. The scenery and the trail and the terrain and the people, I mean, it's great. So when we came in on NASTAR, just hot footing it like, like no other, and we ended up getting a best condition, our very first ever, on a 75 to boot, and I was, I was just so emotional. It was, it was unbelievable. I really had no intentions of competing for the Triple Crown, my goal was always Tevis and this year Tevis and Virginia city, the third, the hundred miles, they were only six weeks apart. And I just, mm -hmm. any even well conditioned animal, that's, that's a lot of a burden to put on them. And I just, you know, I figured we'll get through Tevis and we'll see what happens. And we got through Tevis like a champ and we got six weeks. He rested for an entire six weeks. I pulled his shoes and we did nothing. Just piddly dink little rides on the ranch and, come out and did Virginia city. And I swear, I don't think I'd ever do a hundred after doing Virginia city. That was one of my least favorite Nevada rides ever. It was the most emotional roller coaster I think I've ever done. And it, it was amazing in its own right, but, Oh, so tough, but we did it. And, mm -hmm. and we got through the triple crown and I, I couldn't be more happy for my guy. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Did you think Virginia City felt a little harder on him than Tevis? You know, Virginia City is definitely, to me, terrain-wise, comparable as far as, you know, it, it's, a lot, it's a lot more climbing than Tevis. What really got me on Virginia City was, was the, the brain game of it. You know, I was mm -hmm. out there a lot by myself in the middle of the desert with nothing, me and him. And it just started wearing on me that, oh, my gosh, we're out here by myself. Whereas on Tevis, you can't go more than 8 to 10 miles, and there's a crew. There's a vet check. There's a stopping point. There's mm -hmm. something to, you know, kind of motivate you and get you on. And our second loop on Virginia City was 25 miles of nothing. And <laughs> and I just I called my crew. I'm like, I'm not going out again. I'm coming in, and I'm not going out again. And <laughs> and just get in. Just get in. We'll We'll get you taken care of. And. And they did. They pushed me to go out, and and I did. I finished it, but it was, it was definitely the most draining mentally and emotionally that I've ever experienced. And is that I don't something, know, we'll Karen? Is that something that uh, all riders go through in the desert like that? I think so. Yes, especially if it's your first time doing it, and you're not quite as mentally prepared for that vastness of. You know, like she was saying, uh, um, long distances between seeing anything and you're just out there. Um, you know, it's funny. I've always heard people say that being in the wide open desert like that makes you feel claustrophobic in a way. Um, and that's sort of what you're you're describing there is you're you're so alone that you, you kind of it kind of uh, it just uh, comes over you. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah. okay, how many miles till we see more people? How many yeah. miles? How many miles? Are we almost there? Can we be done now? Now you yeah, know why the people like, stuck in the desert after two days go loopy because uh <laughs> because of that. Yeah. It, Did you see any wild Um, you know, I didn't see as many as I had expected. Um we ended up chasing a couple. They they 
got on the trail and wouldn't get off. And <laughs> it was a mom and a baby and another random horse. And, I mean, we chased them for a good mile until the baby finally pushed the mom off the trail. I'm like, smart baby. She pushed the mom <laughs> off the trail, and it got off in the bushes, and it finally pulled off. But, I mean, it was just kind of a two-lane wide trail and bushes on either side, and then they wouldn't get off. But Is Speed Racer spooky about anything? You know, he's not. He's been, you know, relatively sound of mind. Um, he doesn't like tree stumps for some reason. Sees the same tree stumps over and over again, and he'll still look at them funny. Um, <laughs> and some boulders, you know. But all of them have their little quirks like that. Yeah, but right. He'll right. cross water and bridges. He'll do just about everything I ask him to if I if I set him up and give him an opportunity to, to think about it. So. Now, I do have to ask you about uh, tack and saddle fit. Is that a challenge? What kind of saddle do you use? And it's a big challenge, actually. Um, I I have been riding in a bighorn saddle for, for many, many years now just because of the convenience of the, the lightweight Cordura saddles. Um, and the first mule I used it on, it fit him well enough for what I did, um, and he got it broken pretty good for speedy. And, you know, it fits speed okay. And, and because I started riding him when he was five, he was still maturing and growing, and his body was changing. And we had a few moments of, um, you know, some saddle marks, starting to develop and made some saddle pad changes and, you know, different, different modifications. And, uh, but definitely fitting saddles can be very difficult on the mules. And I'm fortunate that he's got a very nice, high, strong wither and shoulder blade. So I don't have to deal with the, the riding forward, which is what a lot of the mules experience. They don't have enough shoulder to hold a saddle back. Right. Um, but because of that, he also has to wear a breast collar on almost every ride, which is not a common piece of equipment on a mule. So, right. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. And uh, you know, what about bits? You know, that's that's another good one. You know, when I first started riding him, he was in a snaffle bit, which is common. Um, very quickly decided that that was just not quite enough for him in his learning that he likes this job and getting a little strong. So I did put him into a you know small port solid shank mouthpiece. Um, and, and over the years I've learned, you know, what to use, when to use it. So he's got a kind of a German homemade German Martingale set up for that bridle and we'll start a ride in that. And then as soon as we get to any vet check, I'll have my pack, my Hackamore, which is the mechanical Rainsman Hackamore. Right. Yep. I have it packed in my crew bag and we ride most of the rest of the day in a Hackamore and, huh. and he's usually good in that. And that way he can eat and drink comfortably and, and once he once he gets over the hump of the excitement of the start and the the competition, then then he usually calms down and, and gets. As you're going down the trail, is he easy to rate to you know control his speed? Yeah, as long as it's not first thing in the morning, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if it's cold does, out. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does tend to get a little strong, um, especially if we're in a pack of horses, um, kind of like on Virginia City, where where we were in a good big group of horses and they he started dying out on me and he'll try and catch them and stay with them. And it's hard for me to pull him off of a group um, Mm -hmm. until he gets tired enough that he's like, yeah, I really don't want to do that. But for the most part, you know, other than very first thing in the morning, um, it's, he's pretty good to control on the trail. I mean, Virginia city, he passed everybody. We ended up first and second into the very first vet check at (laughs) 18 miles. And I hadn't wanted to start my day like that, but that's, that's what he did. And I, have really no control over it in the dark when he's running off and it's a controlled runoff but it is a runoff so <laughs> well, Jessica, and i just get used to it I before we 
Before we let yeah. you go, we're running out of time here. I wanted to ask you one other thing: is that if somebody else is looking at uh, at a mule, possibly for doing endurance or anything, really, what would you, what advice would you give them? Well, first and foremost is equipment fit, and don't just think they're going to take anything, okay? Because that's a big, big problem people run into with their their animal. The mules is, is equipment fit, um, and and just go out and see how they do, you know. It takes a special kind of mule to be an endurance animal, just like it takes a special kind of horse to be an endurance horse. And, you know, I've been through a lot of mules with this owner, and this has so far, by far, been the best superstar I've ever come across. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just spending a lot of time with them, and don't overwhelm them, you know, especially with the mule brain. They they learn, they remember what they didn't like, and, and if mm-hmm. you teach them what they didn't like right away, you're never going to get them over it. So make it a good, happy, positive experience from the get-go, and they'll either figure it out and be good at it, or they'll figure it out and not be good at it. That's interesting. It is. Well, Jessica, we really um, enjoyed talking to you. Um, Thank you for joining us again, and good luck on your upcoming rides. Thank you so much. And I wanted to mention that we'll post a picture of uh, Jessica and her mule speed racer on our Facebook page, and we'll also put it in our show notes for today's show at horsesinthemorning.com. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. Well, how fun would that be? Now, have you ever ridden a mule before? I I haven't. Have you? No, I've never ridden a mule. I've never driven a mule either. Jennifer, have you ever ridden a mule? I have never sat on – no, I take that back. I sat on a donkey once, and it was not successful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not successful. <laughs> you didn't sit on the donkey for long. I st- I only sat on the bra- the donkey for a very brief period of time, and then the donkey went about his day um, with his own ideas. Yes. <laughs> and I've seen that picture of Glenn on the donkey. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That one still gets me in trouble. <laughs> That's funny. Anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, go to our Facebook page. You'll see me sitting on a donkey. And no, don't send me any emails about how mean we were to the donkey. It is a statue, people. It's a statue. I don't know how many times I've said this on the show, and we still get people that post on there, how mean it is to sit that big guy on that donkey. <laughs> the uh, metal statue really doesn't care. Well, um, you know, we were talking about legs earlier and protection for legs, but, you know, most importantly, when you're out there on the trail going through the rocks and the swamps and everything that you guys go through, you probably not so much swamps as desert or rocks, is uh, is your, your hooves, and you have to really look after your horse's feet. And you have a product that you do that with very well. We sure do, Renegade Hoof Boots. And to get more information on them, go to renegadehoofboots.com. It's another great product that is made in the USA. They come in several different colors. And let me just uh, name these colors. So if anybody's listening and they want to match their tack, they'll know. Uh, they have sport orange, dragonfire red, yellow gold, Arizona copper, burgundy blitz, jade, which is green, chocolate, and black. Wow, that is a and selection. I, I use the orange just because I like the bright colors, and I have some orange tack, and it shows up really good, especially in hunting season. And um, and it's just easier. For a while, I was trying to coordinate the colors um, of my boots with the horse, each horse, and then I just kind of gave up because I use, you know, cheap front boots on uh, both hinds. So I just sort of like to rotate around and use them however they work, which is 
um, really well. My horses have done thousands and thousands and thousands of miles in these boots, um, including hundreds, including Tevis, and they're a really great product. And, of course, they're, they are made. Yeah, go ahead. Sarah. Do Renegade hoof boots come, do you, you get a Renegade hoof boot, at one boot at a time, or are they sold in pairs? You can order either way. You can get them oh, okay. in pairs or individually. Okay. Um, and and it's right. always a good idea to have a spare yeah. or more, more than one if your horse takes different sizes on the front to the hinds. Just cause and there you, you are never plenty know. of horses out and, there, I don't know about the endurance community, but there are a lot of horses out there that the two front hooves are not the same size. So that's nice that you right. have that option. Yeah. Yes, Chief's like that, and, and uh, he'll – be just a slightly different on one front than the other, and other times it's a little closer depending where he is in the trim cycle. Um, you know, one of the common mistakes people make with these boots is they think they have to be hard to put on, and they don't. They go on so easily, and if you're having to struggle to get them on, they're too small and they're too tight, and that usually leads to retention problems. So a lot of times if somebody does have an issue, they just maybe need to kind of step back and maybe remeasure, you know, call the company and talk to them. They're very helpful with trying to get people into the right boot for their horse that will work. So don't give up if you're having that kind of a problem. I mean, even I have mistakenly put too small of a boot on and um, and then figured it out and got the correct size on and off we went and everything was great. So um, the company is very, very helpful with that. RenegadeHoofBoots.com is the website, and of course, they are all made in America, right? Isn't that another Made in America product yes. today? Yep, it sure is. Right. Made in America, RenegadeHoofBoots.com. Get yours today. Well, we have a song coming up by the uh, by Raquel Renner, who is a horse girl in southern Florida. It's called I Want to Know You. And after that, we're going to speak to Janet Tipton about another unusual mode of transportation for endurance riding, and that's a BLM Mustang named Ladybug. So we're going to talk to her about her rides and and how it goes with a Mustang. And I'm sure, hey, they're used to that territory, right? They should be pretty good at it. So, uh, And they're tough horses, so that should be... uh, and, and they run for a long period of time, too. So we'll find out more about it and why there aren't more Mustangs doing endurance. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to see the world through your eyes. I want to stay with you. I want to play with you, hear the rain fall down from your sky, don't be afraid to show me what you're made of, I'm not afraid of the truth, I want to know you, I want to know you, it's not you think they mean I want to feel what makes your heart 
I was I Want to Know You by Raquel Renner. As I said, she's a horse girl from Southern Florida. You're listening to Horses in the Morning. I am Glenn the Geek here with Karen Chatton. And, of course, it's Endurance Day. We do it on the second Tuesday of every month here on Horses in the Morning. Coach Jen is in the producer chair. We'll be back here tomorrow morning with Jamie. And, of course, it is the uh, EquityMFG.com Celebrity Trivia Challenge. And we have one of the – Jennifer, we have one of the contestants – that was in the thoroughbred makeover that recently happened, right? Isn't that who we have playing tomorrow as our celebrity? Yes, Dale Samanton, who you may have may recognize his name because he's been on the show before talking about his Gate to Great thoroughbred program. He participated in the Retired Racehorse Training Project's America's Most Wanted Thoroughbred. I believe he came in second or third with his horse, Rickham, who was, an, it was oh, now wow. a ranch horse. And breaking news, after the... Um, Contest was over at the Pimlico Race Course. Philip Dutton, world champion eventing rider who won the competition with his horse Ichabod Crane, kept Rickham, and Rickham is going to hang out at Philip, Philip Dutton's farm. And career number three, after becoming a racehorse, then a ranch horse, he's going to try his hand at becoming an event horse as well. Huh. Well, we'll find out more about that. Tomorrow morning here on the show, we start at 9 a.m. Eastern. We look forward to uh, to playing and to talking more about thoroughbreds as well. Well, uh, Karen, we have our second guest. Speaking of talking about different breeds who do different things, let's talk a little bit about Mustangs. We do. Our next guest is Janet Tipton, who rides a really tough 13.2-hand BLM Mustang named Lady Jasmine, also known as Lady Bug or Bug. And Ladybug is the highest mileage limited distance horse with 4,395 miles plus 310 endurance miles. 
Janet herself has 4,640 LD miles and 360 endurance miles. She's been riding since 2004, and I believe uh, Ladybug also uses Renegade hoof boots. So welcome to the show, Janet. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Well, give us some history on Ladybug. How did you come to get her? How old is she? Where did she come from? Um, great information. We I actually acquired Ladybug at a satellite BLM adoption in April of 1999. Um, she was the three-year-old at the time, had been gathered for about six months. She came from the Antelope HMA, which is near Ely, Nevada. And how? And I mentioned she's thirteen point two hands high. She is. She's just a little thing. And, and how tall are you? Big in heart. <laughs> I'm five three. Okay, so you're you're a little bigger than she is. <laughs> just a little. Yeah. What got you interested in doing endurance riding with her? Um. You know, when I started trail riding her, she just was just love to go down the trail and love to explore new places. And so I thought, you know, endurance riding was always something I wanted to do, but I'd never had a horse that I thought could do it. So we thought, yeah, we'll give it a try. And I'm, you know, started in 2004 and just never really looked back. And you've obviously found that you both like doing the limited distance rides. Why do you like doing those rides? You know, Ladybug as we've already discussed, is only 13-2. I'm actually a heavyweight rider, and so I just kind of felt like it was the best fit for both of us. Um, Didn't want to ask her to carry my weight for too far. She's, you know, obviously done a few 50s, and and she's excelled at them. She's top 10 at, you know, a couple of them and and done okay. Um, But I just feel like physically limited distance was the best fit for both of us. And have you done other things with her besides endurance? Uh, I have. She actually is a nice all-around horse. I do drill team. Um, she's done parades. Um, she pulls a cart, um, gives pony rides. Um, we've done the extreme cowboy races. So she's just a good um, – we've done hunter-jumper. She's just a good all-around horse. Wow. Well, tell us about the cowboy What was that you just mentioned. The Extreme Cowboy Races, It's there's a yes. local series here that there's 20 obstacles that you compete complete um, from jump to going through water to going through tunnels, um, passing camels and goats and pigs and sorting cattle, picking <laughs> up objects, that kind of stuff. Well, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a good refresher, you know, just mindset just to do something different keep us both on our toes so what are ladybug's best qualities obviously she's got a lot of uh ability to be able to do all these different things you know she's just a great all-around horse she's willing to try anything um she's very opinionated at times but (laughs) tell me you know what horses aren't um she's a little horse but she's got a big heart that just doesn't know when to quit Right, and I know she's just a steady, consistent performer. I know because I've ridden with you, and um, she just plugs right along and and keeps on going. Um, Describe one of the best rides that you've ever had with her. 
You know, it, it's hard to distinguish a best ride because every ride that I go on with her is just amazing. She shows me country, you know, and places that I would never have been able to see without her. So to pick one best ride is, is, is just really, I don't think I can because every ride is a best ride on her. Gosh, you sound a lot like me. <laughs> I'll come back from the ride and say, that was the best ride I've ever had. <laughs> I know my friends get exactly. annoyed with that because <laughs> I know exactly how you feel where you're coming from. Well, what about any bad rides or maybe unpleasant or, you know, something went wrong or didn't go quite as well as you would have liked? What, have you ever had one of those kinds of rides? You know, yeah, I um a few years back, I um, had come into, it was actually back in 2010, I had had a slow um, start to my season. I had some health problems that prevented me from really getting in shape and really, you know, starting out the season like I normally do. And I went to a ride and I did an LD and and was feeling really good after the LD. And my friend taught me into doing an 80. And i you know, never done anything more than a 50 before. And I, something just didn't feel right. And I said, well, I'll do the 60, but I won't do the 80. And she said, okay, do the 60. Mm-hmm. So um started out, and this was so this would have been my second ride of the season. And typically I like to do my 50s later in the season when I do them. And about 45 miles out, I was in so much pain. I just, I wasn't, physically I wasn't where I needed to be to, to, to ride mm-hmm. anyway. And so about 45 miles out, I was ready to, to pull. I, I thought, I just, I hurt so much. And But Ladybug was pulling on me and going, come on, let's go, let's go, we can do this. And I still had about five hours to finish that last 15 miles. So I thought, Ooh. you know, I can walk it and still finish. And so we started out just as a, at a walk, and like every once in a while Ladybug asked me to go faster, so I'd let her canter for a mile or so and then pull her back to a walk. And we still finished that 60 and 10 hours, but... I I was so done. <laughs> <laughs> we all have days like that. <laughs> no yeah. yeah. Uh, now, so what with uh, Ladybug, a uh, couple of questions here is, do you find that her uh, stamina is a- a- as good as the Arabs? You know, I really think it is. She always um, seems to keep some in reserve. So even when I think she's tired, um, we'll get to a point where she knows where camp is, and, man, she just comes alive and just turns it on. Um, I think I ride her a little differently than, than people ride their Arabs in that I don't trot right into vet checks or right into the finish because she doesn't pull down as fast typically as an Arab. So I just get off and walk the last quarter mile into camp, and, and she usually is pulled down when I get there. Mm. Okay. And does she have, is she, uh, are there certain terrains that she likes better than other terrains? You know, she, she tends to do better on, I think on the flat desert rides. Um, Mm. she tends to go a little faster. The Mustang comes out, huh? (laughs) Yeah, the Mustang comes out. Um, but she does seem to like the mountain rides too, just because it's, it's different terrain and she can, you know, there's flexibility and she can go fast and, she tends to go a little slower uphill, but she's a great downhill horse. She just cruises. Mm-hmm. And uh, so tack-wise, so what are you using on her saddle-wise? I ride a specialized Trailmaster, and I've ridden that for the last oh, six years, seven years. Yeah, I was wondering, and then, and then uh, does she have a wide, does she have a normal, you know, kind of medium tree, or is she a little bit wider? She's more on the wider side. 
Yeah, that's but she has, you that's know, her, her withers aren't real pronounced, but they're 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 there. You can definitely see them. And and I tend to ride with a pretty loose, and my saddle really doesn't move a lot. Hmm. And, and what are the like? girth a good idea on on endurance riding? <laughs> Just curious. Well, I ride with a What's that? pretty loose girth too. Is that normal um, to ride with a pretty loose girth? I think it's better uh, for the horse, just for the breathing and stuff, and and. You know, if you can get away with it, there's some horses that you would never ride with a loose girth. Right. right. Yeah. Especially when you're doing as many miles and rides as Janice does, kind of like with me. I think um, over the course of a season, they're more comfortable with, if their girth isn't really, I mean, snug enough, but not real tight. Um, I think they're more comfortable that Welcome way. Welcome to and Verizon Wireless. The number you dialed has been changed, disconnected, or is no longer. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, I think we lost her. <laughs> Do we lose I think her? That's what oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, she's, she's gone. Jennifer, you'll have to get her back. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's totally disappeared. <clears throat> I don't know. That's the first time that's ever happened. Um, so, you know, we, I, I guess, you know, Mustangs would be, if you pick another breed uh, like an Arab that would be good at this, Mustangs would be one that you would naturally think would be good at. It. Right. And I seem to remember her horse took like a size two boot it's um she's got really nice feet that's why i was just going to ask her about her feet um especially for for only being 13 too which is um a plus because there are many arabs out there that have really teeny feet and um i think you're um going to do better if you've got a little larger foot on you on your horse you know janet do we have you back wait i i'm sorry i'm not sure what happened I don't know what happened either. I'm glad to get you back here. We were just we talking about it on Verizon. Yeah, exactly. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, now we were just talking about feet. Now, uh, so are the Mustangs' feet really geared for for this kind of riding? I think so. Ladybug has extremely hard feet. My husband hates the trimmer in the summer because they're just so <laughs> hard. Um, and another reason why she goes barefoot, she's never, ever had a shoe on her foot and we only boot for, um, races or rides. Um, typically we trail ride and such barefoot. And you're still using renegades? I am. Yep. I actually use the Vipers. They, they seem to fit her feet a little bit better. Oh, good. Now the important question is what color, because we just talked today about how many colors the renegades come in. (laughs) <laughs> um, whatever color I happen to have at the time, uh, I, she has. I have neon green, and I have the red, and I have the orange right now. I think, and ah, that's only okay. because they don't have purple. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they don't have purple, so I can't match my tag. <laughs> you know, they really need to get on that because purple's very popular. I mean, they really need it to is. get on the purple. Part. It is. <laughs> I don't know, why I they know don't and purple. I've been wanting blue ones for me too, but. Um, well, Janet, okay. if, somebody, if somebody wanted to follow you and your progress and uh, Ladybug's progress, where would they find you? On Facebook, maybe? Uh, yeah, we have a Facebook. Um, Ladybug doesn't have her own account yet. Maybe one of these days I'll set one up for her. <laughs> but I'm on Facebook, and I um, post photos from all of our rides and, and how we're doing over the course of our rides and such, too. That's Janet Tipton, T-I-P-T-O-N, right? Okay. And can you just tell us real quick, Janet, a little bit about the BLM Mustang Adoption Program? 
I would love to. The BLM um, has a great adoption program. Um, they have several ways you can adopt. They you can do. They have a monthly internet adoption. That the website is uh, www.blm.gov/adoptahorse/backslash. Um, there's also seven several present training programs across the country. Carson City, Nevada, actually has one coming up this weekend. Um, they do wonderful, beautiful horses. There's a couple in there that I've been really eyeing that are just magnificent-looking horses. They're actually on the taller side. They're 15 hands. Um, wow. And then there's also the Mustang Foundation has a program. They do extreme Mustang makeovers across the country, and they have a schedule on their website, which is MustangHeritageFoundation.org. And they also have a program that's called TIP, Trainer Incentive Program, where trainers can take on these horses and halter train them and then get them adopted for $125. And the Mustang Heritage Foundation pays the trainer $700 to, to gentle those horses. So there's several ways to get a Mustang, you know, just depending on what your needs are. If you want to start with a fresh one by yourself, you can get it off the Internet or go to a satellite adoption or go to the corrals. Or, you know, if you want further training, you can you know, there's that sure available as well. And there have been several Mustangs that have done extremely well in this sport, too, which is kind of Yeah, neat. Mustang ladies in the ERC Hall of Fame. I think Robin Hood was just inducted into the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. So, yeah, and they're getting more and more prevalent. When I go to rides now, it's not uncommon to see three or four or even I've seen up to ten now at rides, which when I started there was very, you know, Ladybug was typically the only Mustang there. Wow. Well, what are your goals for her for the future? Well, I'd really like to hit that 5,000 LD mark um, team award. That's a little ways off. They'll have probably five or six more years to do that. But, you know, she's 18 this year, um, 19 next year. We hope to do the XP ride next year. So we've got some some pretty and We just Good take goal. one right in. Good. Well, you always look like you're having fun out there. Oh, I think we lost her again. Did we lose her again? <laughs> yeah, um, all right. Well, well, we'll let her go this time. Um, well, thank you, yes, Janet, for for joining us. Yeah, she must be she must be in a bad spot. Well, you do. Um, well, we have a couple minutes here before we have to get to the upcoming events. And uh, I found uh, we, we we were talking earlier in the day, and we always chat behind the scenes here between Jennifer. Karen and I, like I do with all my co-hosts, because we're not in the same spot. We can't look at each other and talk. And Karen has been whining all morning about how bad her coffee is. Uh, <laughs> and she, because she didn't have any, you didn't have any milk, you didn't have any cream, you had nothing but your coffee this morning. Not, and you ended up using what? stuff, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you end up using? Um, uh, tea. <laughs> so I went made a cup of tea. <laughs> Yeah, I gave up on the coffee idea. Well, um, I found some interesting facts about coffee. So we'll change the tune here a little bit, but I know endurance riders drink a lot of coffee. So here's some interesting things you didn't know about coffee. Uh, And, you know, what? you always see decaffeinated coffee. Well, what they do is they decaffeinate the coffee. The coffee makers uh, decaffeinate it, and then they sell the caffeine to soft drink makers and pharmaceutical companies. Oh, okay. that's where they get the caffeine. Uh, It actually comes from coffee. So how much would you guess the average uh, U.S. worker spends on coffee each year while at work? Oh, my you gosh. Know, is that Starbucks buying ready-made, and, ready-made coffee? Oh, gosh. Yeah, um, Starbucks, things like that. 
five or six hundred dollars? Ooh, you're a little low. Uh, Eleven hundred dollars oh. each oh, year. My. Oh my! <laughs> oh. And I think that probably went up. And endurance riders, it's probably double that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It, it depends how many Starbucks you stop at on the way to the endurance ride. Is what that comes down to. Yeah. Uh, right. And I think. The, I think because of Starbucks, uh, that really went up. I think it probably was five, $600 before Starbucks came to the picture. <laughs> um, you know, Starbucks is named after Captain Ahab's first mate. That's how they got the name, was Captain wow. Ahab's first mate. They were going to name it after the ship. It would have been Pequod's, P-E-Q-U-O-D-S. <laughs> that wouldn't have, that's not quite as uh, good as, yeah, it's not quite as good as Starbucks. It would not have succeeded. Yeah, they- Nobody would go there. They have a Starbucks manufacturing plant here in the valley where I live, and when you drive across early in the morning, I mean, it totally smells of coffee. Oh, that must. Oh, that's terrible. That makes you. <laughs> do they have stores every mile so that you can uh, stop well, and fill it's up? It's a small town, but yeah, they do have one, and it, and it's a drive-through also. <laughs> You know, I got to tell Jennifer, I forgot to tell her this, that we were up in Massachusetts last week, Wendy and I, and um, and even in western Massachusetts, they have uh, your favorite donut shop, Dunkin' Donuts, on every single corner of every single town. We must have saw, we were going to count the number of Dunkin' Donuts we saw, but we lost count. So, yes, they, they still have them in western Massachusetts, I'm sorry. too. Sorry, sorry, Starbucks fans, Dunkin' Donuts coffee's better. Sorry. <laughs> she's always, she's <laughs> always like Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And their donuts are better, too. Um, <laughs> chock full of nuts coffee does not contain nuts. It's named for a chain of nut stores the founder converted into coffee shops. So no nuts in chock full of nuts coffee. Uh, this is interesting. In 1932, Brazil couldn't afford to send its athlete to the Olympics in Los, or its athletes to the Olympics in Los Angeles. So they got a ship and they put the athletes on a ship and they filled it with coffee and they stopped in ports along the way to sell the coffee so they could afford to go to the Olympics. Oh, wow. oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> and you guys will love this one. In, ni- in 1674, way back in 1674. Ooh. The women's petition against coffee said it was turning British men into useless corpses and proposed a ban for those (laughs) under 60. (laughs) Okay. It still does turn some guys into useless corpses, I think. Coffee was banned in Mecca in 1511, and it was believed to stimulate radical thinking and hanging out. (laughs) You know, endurance writing does that, too, you know. (laughs) Yeah, you guys are always arguing about something over at the AERC, aren't you? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, they just last with... night, um, just real quick, they had a board meeting and they rescinded the vote to lock the um, the rider and horse results up, um, and they switched it back. So now the uh, results are all going to be opened up again. I think we should just eliminate coffee with endurance riders, and it probably solve all our problems. <laughs> It, maybe, or maybe some of them need some. <laughs> They're not getting enough. The first webcam enough. watched the coffee pot. It allowed researchers at Cambridge to monitor the coffee situation without leaving their desks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep, and uh, I got one more here for you. Let's see here. Um, coffee is the most, or is the second most traded commodity on Earth. Wow! Uh, so, What's the first? Yeah, 
And that was my question. What do you think the first would be? If coffee is the second, what would you think the first would be? I was thinking oil, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, something like that. And, in fact, I was right. It was oil was the first. Okay. That would be a good yeah, guess. Kind of makes sense. Uh, and did you, what color are coffee beans? When, uh, before the bean is actually a seed inside of a berry, what color is the berry? Ooh, is it red? Ding, 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 ding. It red. is red. That's right. Ooh. It's bright red. Yep. So there you go. Some useless trivia about coffee. You brought it up this morning, and I thought, well, you know, endurance riders drink a lot of <laughs> coffee. So. <laughs> so there, you can talk about good. some some of those great facts. We should do that at the end of every show. Great facts you can talk about on your next endurance ride to sound smart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You can you can have something to talk about with that person that comes up beside you and won't go away. Uh, even, <laughs> Now, are there little unwritten things, like when that person comes up beside you and they're annoying and you just really want to ride by yourself? Are, are, are there little, uh, you know, like tricks or, or cues you can give that everybody knows that means get lost? Um, there are. You know, you can be blunt about it and, you know, say I really need for my horse to be by himself right now. You know, and, Oh, you blame and, it on the horse. <laughs> yes, you blame it on the horse. It's the horse. The horse is getting, you know, excited and all jacked up or whatever. Um, the other good one is, oh, I need to stop, and you know, for a pit stop or to adjust tack or, or something, and, you know, try to let the other person go on. You know, sometimes you just can't get rid of um, somebody that wants to kind of um, glob on to you, kind of. So, yeah, it's, sometimes you can be um, very subtle and people will get it, and other times you can be totally blunt and they don't get it. <laughs> well, what we learned earlier in the day was if you find Jessica and Speed Racer in the middle of a desert, she's going to latch on to you and not let go because uh, she does not start, like being out there alone. <laughs> yeah, but if it's at the start, then you just need to get out of her way. <laughs> What's coming up with the uh, AERC National Championship ride? Right. It's coming up. It's their yearly national championship event. There's a 100-mile distance on October 30th and a 50-mile distance on November 1st. The ride is in Mount Pleasant, Texas, and they have a website. It's 2014aercnc.com, and they've got a whole bunch of information there about the event there's also a page for volunteers so if you think you might be able to go and volunteer i'm sure they could use the help also aarc has many other rides i know i have one coming up called the redneck ride which is in northern california that i'm really looking forward to um but there are rides everybody all carry guns and uh and and moonshine um possibly you know, possibly. <laughs> it is the redneck ride. I thought I'd ask. It is. It's the redneck ride. So uh sounds like a fun ride. Off. They have could yeah, you could and actually it's a Halloween ride, so you're expected to dress up in a cost costume. I, oh, well, I there mean, you have go. Come up with, with the last time I dressed up as a costume, um with my horse, I dressed up as Martha Stewart. And um <laughs> it was what kinda cute. That? I well, I made I made a centerpiece ornament out of my horse's mane, and then I attached a rolling pin 
and I had an apron on and some kitchen utensils. And then the best part is this was back when Martha was in jail. I had some handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could you could dress up as a jacked up, uh, drank too much coffee uh, barista. Uh, yeah. You know, you know <laughs> frizz your hair out, you know, that kind of thing. Have some Starbucks uh-huh. cups all over all over your there saddle, you, you know. You yeah. So, yes, and I'm sure there's other rides across the country also doing the same thing where um, the riders go and dress up in costumes. And it's kind of fun, you know, until something comes along and uh, totally freaks out somebody's horse, you know. Um, but <laughs> but it's kind of a fun thing to do. Yeah, probably headless horsemen are not a good idea. It's probably not a good idea. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Well, that's great. Something. And you can see them all. All of them will be listed at aerc.org. Well, Karen, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun today. Again, it's been fun talking to some people riding unusual horses. Now, next time, we'll have to see if we can get somebody from the driving side of things. That'd be, I'd, I'd uh, love to talk to them, and I know we have a lot of drivers that listen. So sure, yeah, it'll be, be fun. Good. You know, that's the cool thing. There's so many interesting and fun people to talk to. I'm never going to run yeah. out of a supply of guests. It's no, um, it's and you know what? When we first started, that's I asked you that. I said, "What well, can we? Is there enough to talk about once a month?" And you said, "I've been writing a blog for fifteen years. I think we can, we're good." <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of ton of stuff, and uh, yes, there's lots and lots of things we can talk about. Fun stuff. Well, let's let's tell everybody where that blog is. Um, KarenChatton.com, and you can go right. and you can read about my my science experiment that I did. Back in August with my yogurt. Science experiment, yep. Yep, and um, all sorts of other good fun stuff. Lots of um, uh, training tips and safety tips and stuff like that. And I'll I'll do a post about the the ice stuff for in case of emergency and maybe link to a couple of the apps so people can find them easily. Very good. And uh, we, of course, can be found at HorsesInTheMorning.com. We're here every Monday through Friday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, I wanted to say tomorrow, Jamie will be back, and we will be doing our EquityMFG.com Celebrity Trivia Challenge. And also, uh, Thursday is the NATRC, the North American Trail Ride Conference, talking all about trail riding. We're off on Friday this week. Uh, We're taking the day off. And we'll be back again next Monday. So thank you, Karen, for joining us. We appreciate it. Get our app. Go to iPhone or Android, doesn't matter which. Uh, Go to the App Store and search for Horse Radio Network. Horses in the Morning is on there, along with all ten of our other shows. And, Karen, we'll talk to you again the second Tuesday of next month. All right. All right. We'll see you, everybody. Be safe. Be safe.